0: Hi, I'm Margot. Hey, I'm Abby. Thank you so much for joining us on the Anxiety Warriors podcast.
1: We have anxiety and we believe that our anxious feelings make us stronger people. One of our superpowers is being open, loving, and curious with ourselves.
0: Yeah, we're all just doing the best we can, one moment at a time, one breath at a time. And we're so glad you're on this journey of life with us. Here's the show. Welcome back, Warriors. Woohoo! We are so excited to be with you all today. Yes. I cannot wait to dive into today's topic. What are we talking about today?
1: We are talking about the fun time of living with imposter syndrome.
0: So Yay! fun. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've ever felt like an imposter. Me. Literally, I'll just be raising my hand over here for the next few hours. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, it's so interesting because it keeps, pop- it, it pops up like little bubbles in your mind. Right. I mean, so- I kind of have it with the podcast. Not going to lie. <gasps> right. Yeah. It's so true. I didn't even think about it. So you just said it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, who are we even to do any of this? Right. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. So why are we doing it? <laughs> <laughs> this is what you want to hear, everybody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That your, that's your wonderful hosts have no clue what they're doing. Um, but you know what, maybe this is a permission structure, right? Like yeah, you don't have to know everything about what it is that you're doing or trying to do, or uh, you're embarking on in order mm-hmm. to just start. That's it. You just got to start and I you like never it. know what's going to happen with that. That's very true. Like I literally don't know what I'm about to say right now. <laughs> Well, I'll I'll help. I'll talk okay. a little bit about how I define imposter syndrome
1: because sounds good. I think that that word is thrown around so incredibly much that we don't have a shared language or a shared like definition. Mm. And so I'll share the way I view it, and then you can share the way you view it, and then our viewers can think about. Well, we don't have viewers, but our <laughs> listeners <laughs> can think about how they you know view imposter syndrome, and we'll all have a collective language together. Mm, Um, Love it. All right. So for me, you know, imposter syndrome is something that when I think about, it's just thinking that people all have, you know, more experience than me and are better than me. So why should I even try pretty Mm. much, you know, um, who am I to do this thing, you know, like whatever that thing might be, um, because there's other people already doing it. And they probably know more than me and they're probably smarter than me and they're probably more motivated than me. Um, And so when I think about, you know, imposter syndrome, I think one, I'm not good enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And that two, there's always someone better than me. And that three, you know, who am I to even do this thing that I want to do? Like what gives me the right to do it? I would say is how I think about Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome.
0: I totally feel you on that definition. I I definitely, that's some of the stuff that came up when I was thinking about this phrase and and this idea. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: for me, the words that kept popping out when I think of the phrase imposter syndrome is severe Mm -hmm. and um, limiting. right? And so Mm -hmm. like the severe is my own self-doubt. So when I think of imposter syndrome, I'm thinking of the many ways that I doubt myself. Yeah. In yes. big life decisions, even in small life decisions. Yeah. Like choosing a shirt <laughs> or like what you kind of said about like, you know, um, who am I to do this? Is I'll look at something I really want to wear. Mm. And every once in a while I'll be like, but I can't wear that. I can't pull that off. Right? Is that me? Quote unquote? Like and who defines what I am, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And then just like the limiting, I the, the way that I can place limits on my own desires, my own abilities, the things yeah. that I feel like I need or even deserve. Right. It's like, you, you kind of mentioned that just now it's like, do I even deserve to go for this thing or to right. try it? And if there's always going to be someone that's out there doing it, more importantly, or better than I am, or could ever do, what's the point of even showing up? Yeah. 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 I love, I love how you included
1: in it the day-to-day of like, who am I to wear this outfit? Because I can totally relate to that. But for some reason, like, as you were talking, I had this aha moment of like, oh my gosh, I usually really imposter syndrome to work to career mm. you know and i've i've been very stuck in 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 that mold of thinking but but it 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 does show up in so many different areas of life um, right. so thank you for showing me where i limit myself
0: <laughs> yeah right it's a, it doesn't have to all be it sounds first of all the words imposter and syndrome, they sound very heavy yeah it's like yeah. oh my god i have imposter syndrome it's like a monster <laughs> of some kind and um, I just think it's important that we almost normalize the the fact that humans experience this yeah. and it's not like fun or comfortable or something you should want to keep living with. But at the same time, it isn't, you, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with you if right. you're experiencing these thoughts. Right, right, right. Many yeah. of us share them. Yeah, totally. All right. So Abby, why don't you like kick us off here about how imposter syndrome has shown up in your life, how it continues to show up, yeah, how it affects you, like whatever. I, I can't wait to hear. I
1: thought about how, you know, my whole entire life, I've like always worked with kids. Like I grew up with my mom, um, you know, going in people's homes and, and working with their infants and babies and stuff. And and then when I was like at the age of nine, I became a mother's helper and then You know, I would like volunteer at the local elementary school and teach kids how to read and support teachers. And when I was in high school, and so when I like left college and I became a teacher as just teaching kids, that all felt very natural to me. I was like, this is who I am. Right. Right. So in that line of work, like I've never felt like an imposter, but in, in, I think it was like what, 2006, I went to um, become a yoga teacher. Um, you know, I found the practices of yoga super, super helpful for my anxiety and my well-being, and I was just so in love with the practice that I wanted to become a teacher and, and offer it to other people. And I was in this 200-hour program, and you know, one, one of the things that we don't talk about that much, but um, you know, in my early 20s, along with being diagnosed with anxiety, I was also diagnosed with ADD, um, which for me was like yay, this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> learning and focusing tends to be challenging sometimes. Um, and so uh, when I was in this 200-hour program, um, uh, learning all of the anatomy and learning all of the different words to describe anatomy and you know, learning just how body parts moved and everything um, was really overwhelming for me. Um, my yoga teacher was super technical and I felt like I could never be like her Mm. and she was a great teacher. I really enjoyed her. Um, you know, and then when we would have to like practice teach in, in front of her and she would, uh, offer feedback, you know, it always interpreted as like, I am not good enough. Why even bother? She has a successful business in this area. Um, And so even when, um, you know, I completed, um, the certification, um, you know, she offered me a class once a week. And the thing is like, I had a following, like there were these like group of ladies that loved me. Right. It was super comfortable (laughs) because I was being myself and I wasn't like super focused on the anatomy part. Um, but I always still like, I charged less, right. Mm. I didn't charge what everyone else was charging, because I felt like they were getting less, you know? Huh. Um, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, that like was a big part of like why I didn't pursue like becoming like a full-time yoga teacher back in the day was because I'm not good enough. Other people can do it better. Mm-hmm. Who am I to think I can make a living being a yoga teacher? Um, but then when I moved to the city and I started teaching kids yoga, it was like incredible because I'm very comfortable with kids and kids don't really need that much anatomy. (laughs) Like, you know, like let's point out where our feet are and stuff, but they don't need to know like the names of all the quadricep muscles. Right. Right. You're not um,
0: queuing or aligning them yeah, the same way. Right. right. Yeah.
1: I mean, that would be really boring
0: and stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> they'd be like, what are you even talking about? Yeah. On my feet? I don't need to know anything. Why else? does my heel
1: have to line up with the arch in my other foot? Like, and, you know, we're learning that, you know, that is not necessarily the greatest way to teach anyone right now. Right. But, um, and so, you know, I was invited to start helping, um, a company with leading trainings. Um, and it's very heavy in like neuroscience and being able to talk about the brain. And for me, I'm like, Oh, I'm not smart enough. I can't Mm. do this. Like, you know, I was studying for hours and hours and hours. And then one of the messages that I kept getting, which was feeding into, um, you know, feeling like an imposter was, uh, one of the, the colleagues was like, you know, you are so amazing and you are so powerful, but you're not letting yourself shine. And, you know, for me, it's like, now I'm very mm-hmm. confused. Cause like, I thought I was trying hard. I thought I was, you know, showing up and then I'm getting this message that I'm not being my authentic self. And like, if the people that are inviting me to, you know, work with them, say I'm not stepping into my power and saying I'm not doing these things and like but I think I'm being myself like that's confusing right um and so you know basically you know I repeatedly would just like like just obsess about the content until I felt really comfortable with it and I felt like I could teach it okay and that's when I started to feel like okay I'm not an imposter because I was getting feedback that people liked me. (laughs) They liked being around me. They liked the way I taught. And so it made me feel after enough time practicing and, you know, um, that that I wasn't feeling as much like an imposter. Yeah, it was really interesting, like when I think back on that, um, because the feeling of like being an imposter really, um, showed up in like a lot of different ways. Um, and so Mm -hmm. there was things that I would do where like one, you know, I would jump through hoops to make these people happy. So they didn't think like, Oh, she doesn't know what she's doing. We shouldn't work with her. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other thing is like, I had a lot of language ticks and, and so when I first started teaching, I would like seek reassurance, that people understood what I was saying or people, you know, were learning what I was teaching. And so there was a lot of ending my sentences with, you know, you, you understand, right, right. Can you, you know, and so yeah. there was all of this. Um, ending I do that all the time, by the way. S- oh my gosh. I mean, I still do, but it's, <laughs> but it's seeking reassurance. Like right? I realized, like if I don't put a period at the end of my sentence, but I put a comma and a right, you know, <laughs> I'm in that I'm seeking that validation, like, Hey, we're all in this together. You believe what I'm saying? Right. Um, and so, you know, basically um, what, what really helped me like feeling like not an imposter anymore was one noticing like these little, like deeply unconscious ticks and starting to practice just like finishing my sentence mm. and sitting in that discomfort. But, but, but being okay with it. Um, and then the other thing was, you know, I, I studied with Leslie Kamenoff and Amy Matthews, and I've mentioned them before, but they give you permission to just explore what it's like to be in yoga. So I could, I could get over the deep insecurity that I don't remember all the names of the muscles and how the muscles move in this and that, like, right. you know, they're like, there's no right way to do yoga. It's all an exploration. Um, yeah. And then the the final thing for me when it came to like leading these trainings was you know it was a lot of content and um i what i needed was i needed to just have a lot of time to absorb it so that it felt natural to talk about it um and then i could let myself shine through and then it felt like i was being authentic in the teaching but sometimes people just ask other people to like dive into something when they don't have the chance to experience it and they don't have the chance to really learn it. And Mm. I feel like that doesn't set people up for success. Like we all have our own way of learning and our own way of, you know, teaching and showing up. And I think, you know, if I had had more permission to spend time in the learning piece, I would have showed up as my powerful, confident, bright, light, self, more often when I was, you know, doing these um, trainings.
0: Yeah. So it's so interesting. I mean, I, I could deeply resonate with so much of what you said. <laughs> like, I feel like every time each one of us talks, it's like, oh my God, it's like all the same stuff. Um, but there was something, especially back towards the beginning of your story, when you said like, you didn't feel you could charge more money because oh, yeah. of your lack of quote unquote knowledge on only a small part, of what mm-hmm. you were teaching, right? So like you were sort of correlating well, because I don't have as much of the, you know, anatomical um, background knowledge yet, or I haven't memorized the way every single bone or muscle in the body interacts with the other, then I must not be anywhere near as good of a teacher as a person that trained me. And so therefore I can't and shouldn't ask for what, you know, maybe is even market value for this work. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I really, really resonated with that. And I think that that's sort of just a, maybe this is painting with too broad a stroke, but I think this is a female problem. Sometimes I think that mm-hmm. I know a lot of talk to a lot of business women and even people who are extremely successful and they talk about the same thing, how early on in their careers, they didn't feel like they should be asking for right or because the, the, people pleasers in them, or they just want to, they, or they're told like, you should just be lucky to have a job or, um, to be out there in the world making a mark. And it's like kinds of messages are resending specifically to young girls. Right. That's yeah. like, you shouldn't ask for, or, or demand what you're worth. Right. Um, so I really resonated with that part. Um, and just kind of what you said about, like, once you hit a wall You'd want to stop. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like you hit a wall and you're learning, or maybe the way that teacher is teaching you something, it's just not jiving with the way that your learning styles need to hear things. Right. And it would cause you to just like hit that wall and be like, well, that must mean that I'm not good enough. Like yeah. I really, really felt that.
1: Why am I even doing this? You know, even right. though
0: I love it. So the love
1: pushed me forward, the joy pushed me forward. But there Thank was goodness. a lot of like doubt and questioning. And, you know, there was one thing I had this like aha moment and I can't remember what the book was, um, but it had to do with interacting with children and how when when children see their older siblings and adults doing stuff, um, they interpret it like they're not good enough. Right. Mm. Um, they interpret it like the grown ups are smarter than them, better than them, right. faster than them, whatever it is. And the, the reframe was to tell children, I just have more experience than you. I'm not okay. smarter than you. I'm not faster than you. Like the growth it's mindset. Off. Yeah, exactly. So maybe it was Carol Dweck's
0: mm-hmm. book, right? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <Consciously>, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, but when I started really saying that to a family that I nannied for, for the younger sibling, I started to really understand it from me. It mm. was like, oh, my yoga teacher isn't smarter than me. She's not better than me. She's just had years and years and years of more experience and more, um, you know, uh, hours learning. And if I really wanted to become a full-time, you know, yoga teacher, it's possible. Um, And so like, that was like really the the switch for me from going from hitting the wall, right? And Mm -hmm. like pushing through, to just this like understanding, like one, nobody knows what they're doing. Right. So why not just start? And then you're starting your journey of learning. You're starting your journey of putting your hours in to get to right. where you want to be.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I totally, I totally feel you on all of that. Um, I did have a question, yeah. uh, about towards the end. And you said that you would notice your ticks, uh huh. right? Like in terms of language. And I feel like this is a common problem for anybody in any line of work, but specifically mm-hmm. sure, if you're going to be a speaker of some kind or you're leading workshops or trainings. And so like, what is, pra- how did it look, what did it look like to notice those ticks? Like, how did you come around to noticing them?
1: Yeah. When I started to think about like how am I dimming my light, and you know what's making this situation different than in other situations? Yeah, because
0: that that could be a really broad statement. Yeah. Right. Like, what is dimming? Like when you said, it's like you're not fully shining. It's like, well, was there any additional feedback with that sentence? Because <laughs> it's like that could mean so many different right. things to a variety of people. Right. And and what I what I didn't know
1: at the time was to ask, what do you mean? Yeah. Right. I was just thinking like, oh gosh, I'm not being bright enough. I'm not being enough like this person. Right. I thought I had to be like that person rather than being me. Um, But some, some of the things that I did was like, I recorded myself. Mm, Terrible practice to watch, to record yourself and then listen and watch. But I saw, I saw what I was doing. I saw my like go-to moves to like you know be cute so that you'll like me <laughs> in case what i'm saying isn't smart you know like <laughs> huh yeah and so when i became more aware of that then i was more aware of sitting in a more confident position you know um relaxed and comfortable but i wasn't like hunching my shoulders forward and lifting them up by my ears and smiling you know and right and then um i really practiced speaking slower to notice when those ticks wanted to come and so when i slow down my speech i have less ticks yeah then
0: when i'm just like in the flow right yeah cuz i i mean there is somewhat of a difference between like when you're just having a normal conversation with a loved one mm-hmm. or a friend a confidant and when you're trying to impart information or something yeah So interesting. It sounds like it might've been some helpful feedback for you, at least in your terms of your own teaching and becoming, uh, not feeling like an imposter anymore, right? Because then you were like, oh, all right, well, if that's what it means to, to not dim my light, right. To Mm -hmm. pay attention to the ticks that I might have, the verbal, um, stuff, the body language. Well, now I have that information and I can do something about it constructively. Right. Right. It's, it's, you know, it, it
1: all stemmed from me trying to keep myself safe. I didn't want people to know that maybe I don't know
0: everything, right? Like, you know, in reality, what everyone wants is for you to be like, tell me you don't know everything so I can feel better about not knowing anything.
1: Yes. And that's, you know, that was like when, when I started to shed away that layer of imposter syndrome for that particular point in my life, you know, it still shows up. Um, But when I, when I started to shed that away, one of the things I would confidently say when I didn't know was, I don't know, I can try to find you some resources or I can point you in the direction of someone who might know, but I don't know. And I don't want to say the wrong thing, you know, and, and that was so
0: liberating to just admit,
1: I don't have to know everything.
0: Yes. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Yeah so amazing. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing.
1: Thanks. Thanks for listening. Those are good questions in there.
0: Yeah. What,
1: uh, what about you? I'm so curious now that you've opened my eyes to, you know, all the <laughs> ways
0: <laughs> you have know, mine. Mine's of course about work too, because <laughs> I think that we're, we're so similar in so many ways. Um, so yeah, I mean, look overall imposter syndrome is a active practice for me. Most mm-hmm. things that we talk about through our anxiety warrior journeys are still actively being practiced by me every day of the week. Um, you know, I, I spent years and years shying away from my successes or things that I was really proud of accomplishing, uh, because in my mind, kind of like what you were saying, we weren't as important, quote unquote, yeah. or as sort of like unilaterally or objectively, um, valuable mm-hmm. as the accomplishments of other people. Right. Right. Um, And so the story I'm going to tell is, is actually when I first became a teacher. Mm -hmm. Now, like I had went to community college for a couple of years and then I took a year off and I was, um, you know, I was working and just trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do with my life. And so in that year, you know, I was working at an early childhood center and I had spent all my youth working with really young children. And I really loved being with babies and toddlers and preschool age kids. But I was told not just by like my peers, but by the world that there was no value in that work Hmm. monetarily. Right. Or in general, it's just like, oh, you're just a glorified babysitter or you're not really teaching. And while I felt deep in my soul and my gut and my heart, that that wasn't true. Yeah. I also felt sort of this pressure of like, well, but I want to be seen as someone in the world that has value and is adding value. And so I must become a real teacher, quote unquote. And so I had this idea in my head, you know, when I decided to go to school for education, but I still said, you know what? I still want to do early childhood education because that's still what calls to me. And that consists of being potentially reaching kids that are over four years old, right? Mm -hmm. Because early childhood is infancy through, um, you know, second grade. Yeah. And so- with that in mind, I was like, all right, I'm, I've, I I've had this idea of like, I need to be a real teacher, which is like, in hindsight, it's like, what the F was I even talking about? Yeah. Um, anyway, so when I graduated, which was, again, like a good year or so after a lot of my friends and co and coworkers and stuff, because um, I had taken that year off in between. And, uh, I was out to dinner with two good friends at the time. Only one of which is still a good friend. The other person (laughs) is no longer in my life and you'll see why in a moment. Uh, um, so when I first became a teacher, I was subbing, right? I didn't have a a Mm full-time job of my own yet. So all three of us were there and we were pretty new to teaching, but Mm -hmm. they both had full-time jobs and I didn't, I was still subbing. And so we were all talking about leading, leading classes. We were all talking about teaching and the one friend who I'm not friends with anymore was like, well, you'll understand when you become a teacher. (laughs) Basically. I, I mean, I don't remember. I think she used the word actually become a teacher. It was even worse. It was like, you'll get it when you actually become a teacher. And I just remember sort of like this, gut punch. And it was like this reminder of like, oh yeah, like you're not a real teacher, (sighs) even though you had it in your mind that you couldn't do what you wanted to do, which was work with early childhood. But now you're subbing in a public school, which is apparently the only place that quote unquote real teachers can go work. Again, total BS didn't make any sense, but in my my brain at the time, that was what I had associated it with. And uh, I knew this person has strong feelings about what kind of a person was a a real teacher and what kind of a person wasn't she wasn't good at hiding it either and my other friend who i'm still very good friends with turns to her and goes what are you talking about hey she is a teacher like almost like how dare you right and in that moment though i was so i was completely silent which we know i'm not a silent person but like it, it felt like a gut punch the one woman gave well now woman one person gave me and then my other friend was like what are you talking about like yeah who are you to even blah. So she had my back in a way and that kind of snapped me back into like the present. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, she almost like, because she had such a visceral reaction to what was said. And yeah. I was sort of just like, not even in my body anymore at that right. point. Um <sighs> Yeah. But that seed though, was still there. Now that seed was planted. Right. Like, even though I was able to bounce back in the moment and like playfully fight back with this person who, of course she was like, Oh no. She's like, I was just, you know, I didn't mean anything by it. And her, her thing was very like, I never mean anything by it. Like, don't take what I say with any real, with any reality, which it's like. How am I ever supposed to trust you if you're always going to be talking like that?
1: Right. Um, And then like backtracking the moment someone like takes it. Calls them out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. But it just kind of reaffirmed this idea of like, oh, you're not good enough. Yeah. You're not enough. What you're doing, you're less of a teacher because, you know, you don't have your own classroom yet. Yeah. Yeah. So that there was that. And I, I, and like I said, sort of before about the way society treated early childhood teachers, I felt like, even though that's what my gut was calling me to do, that it wouldn't be enough for other people. Right. Right. Not really me, but I was more concerned about other people Mm -hmm. or feeling like some kind of a fraud in the profession. If I didn't become the type of teacher that my, my peers at the time, or at least the the few of them that are again, no longer in my life viewed as being quote unquote real. Right. Um, and you know, in my body, this felt like a sinking pit in my stomach. Yeah. It felt heavy, exhausting, and it just made me want to give up. Like kind of like what you said, right. Um, you know, and then I just tailspinned into keeping myself from jobs and opportunities that mm-hmm. were actually calling to me, but because they weren't conventional quote unquote, yeah. even though I was drawn to them, I was limiting like, no, 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 don't do that because you have to hold out for this you have to hold out for that other job, that other thing, or don't worry, it'll happen at some point. You just keep going and fighting for it, even though your gut tells you it's wrong. It's not wow. you.
1: yeah.
0: Um, and so this aha moment for me was like, oh wait, I'm not conventional. I'm unconventional. <laughs> and I don't, I I wish I could remember the exact moment and I can't, but I do remember the word unconventional. Mm. And maybe I heard it somewhere or read it somewhere. But when I had a moment of self-reflection around that time, and it it may have been when I was offered a specific gig that just sounded so wonderful. Mm -hmm. It was a head start, and I really, really wanted it. And I was like, but am I going to tell myself, no, you're you're not going to be a real teacher if you take that job? Or do I tell myself, but this feels right. right. And even if it's quote unquote unconventional, you're not conventional. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's something special about being unconventional. And um, you don't want that sort of boring, red tape bureaucratic environment that comes with leading in a public school. Right. Where there's no play. There's no autonomy. It's endless streams of rules and do and this, do that. And sometimes. conformity
1: they are glorified babysitters in public schools
0: for real. I mean. <laughs> no, it, it's so true. And I, and it's obviously this was so many years ago. Yeah. And I've talked to so many educators that, and I, I, my relationship to the work that I did for over a decade, mm-hmm. it's so different now. And I love advocating for early childhood professionals yeah. because I still believe it to be the most important part of a child's life. And mm-hmm. that's why I dedicated so many years recently to teaching yoga and mindfulness skills to this age group, babies and toddlers and preschool age kids specifically. Um, Yeah. So that was kind of like my, my aha. you know, I always felt disconnected and riddled with anxiety. And now all of a sudden I had this job that I really wanted and I was super happy and I felt good in my body and I was able to be I always felt like the imposter when I was subbing in the public school.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: then I stopped feeling like an imposter and I was able to sort of, like you said, I was able to shine and be my true authentic self. I wasn't acting when I was at that job. right? And so that made all the difference to me um, in those smaller unconventional environments that really suited me. I thrived so much. And so that was a practice for me, just being able to say, where are you thriving Right. What feels right in your body? Yes. What is your heart telling you is right? Forget about what everyone else thinks is true or right or correct, because none of that is true. If it's not true for me, if right. it's not true for you. It's not true. Um. Yeah, I'm going to pause there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, okay.
1: I feel like I got to gather my thoughts for a second because there's so many different areas I want to go. Like the first thing I want to say is like uh early childhood is so important. Like oh. in regards to brain development, in regards to soothing the nervous system, in regards to teaching how what what a healthy relationship is like. Like that is the most important time in the life of of a human being right. in what they're starting to shape in the rest of their world. So like Part of me wants to get on a soapbox, but I won't do that because, you know, um, but the other thing that really just sticks out to me is that when you f- felt like not in alignment, right, when you felt like you weren't your authentic self, you were doing things to meet the needs of what you felt like society was telling you to do or your friends or your peers or, you know, your community. And it wasn't until you just, like, said, no, this isn't who I am, right? And you decided to trust yourself and go after your passion, right? Which is not everyone's passion. Like, that's the thing. Like, you know, working with the youngest ages can be so challenging. And that is, like, your thing. And you're amazing at it. Um, But, like, it's just such I just feel like such bravery and such dishonesty being like, I'm not the person that people are telling me to be. I'm actually this person and I'm going to be that person.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that was really it. And like when I was thinking about it and I was like making my notes for the episode and and this whole story, I was like, but what was the moment? What was it? Mm -hmm. And I really don't remember. It was the aha was just a general buzz in my body around that time. It was just the why am i trying to conform right when i'm not meant to conform none right. of us are right none of us are meant to conform right yeah and i think i think it's just such a, a
1: beautiful story in the sense that like you were seeking i mean i don't know if it was like external validation right but you 100% were, yeah and and it wasn't until you were true to yourself that it felt meaningful and rewarding yes my other question is then you know so the, the way that you're talking about imposter syndrome in the sense, it's like, when you feel aligned with who you truly are, when you feel like you're showing up as yourself, you don't feel like you're being an imposter. Um, but so then my, my question is, you know, when does imposter syndrome like show up, like, like with the putting on the, the outfit or like, you know, do you still notice it popping up and
0: stuff? I do <laughs> it pops up like I like I said at the top everything that we always share this is part of the reason why we pick these topics yeah. it's like it's still generally true for us at least in some form or another even if we have a handle on it um, so some of the ways that it shows up now is when I receive and it showed up then even too when I receive compliments mm-hmm. that is hard for me mm. i don't know why and i i, I think it's partially because I, I grew up around people that always—I don't know if it's that they felt the need to deflect their own successes to sort of the the community success as mm-hmm. opposed to just their own—and I sort of always found a lot of appreciation in that. It's like when people around me, you know, family or close friends would receive compliments about things, a lot of their reactions were to not just say, thank you so much. Right. And sort of move on their reactions were to, um, deflect away or to shake their head and their arm and be like, Oh no, 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 Like I'm not. And it's, it was those reactions that stuck with me from childhood. Mm -hmm. And so I always felt super uncomfortable in my body, you know, like when I had shared in a previous episode about, I was, you know, myself and my teaching assistant were recognized by the, the government that had come into, um, uh basically look over our head start and make sure everything was running the way it is and assess our program and its you know its value um i received this like little award and it was at our next you know professional development meeting that this whole like our director stood up and like ha- presented us with this thing at the end of the week and my immediate reaction was to like make a joke about it or to become like snarky. Cause those are some, you know, I, I like to be silly and funny and I felt uncomfortable accepting something that I didn't feel worthy of, or was like, well, how am I any better than any of the other teachers or any of that? And so it was, it's, but that's kind of stands out, but generally it's like, if someone says you're a wonderful kids yoga teacher, or my kid loves you, or, they love my book and they say, I'm really proud of you or something. I, I it's, it was always a struggle. My instinct to deflect, change a subject, yeah. say no. Uh, and then, or even tout the creations of other people, right? right. Which is just another form of um, avoidance. And yeah. so my practice now is to just kind of like actively listen to whatever the person is saying. And how I actively listen is I make sure I'm making eye contact. I I don't allow myself to look away. Like I know my gut, my instinct wants me to look away from them and just sort of like smile and look around the room or whatever, but look straight in in their eyes, listen actively to what they're saying and say, thank you so much. That means so much to me. Yeah. Right. And to really show gratitude for their praise or or their, you know, kind words or whatever um, and sort of not allow the, well, but who are you? voice to even enter. Right. And, and I find that once I stop myself, I stop that voice and I just say, thank you so much. I feel better. Yeah. And then I can actually enjoy some of the pride and um, being in the moment with it. Uh, and another thing I do, and we know that I do lots of reading and writing, and that's one of the ways that I connect and ground to my experience. Um, I make a list every day usually in the evening of three things that I'm proud of that I did. Mm. that day, And they could be really simple things. Like I folded my laundry and I committed to doing that today (laughs) because I have a hard time sometimes, "Mm," you know, Mm -hmm. so if I got it done on the day, I said, I was going to get it done. That's a proud moment. And so like, whatever it is, big or small, I like to write down at least three things I'm proud of that I did. And that's sort of become an act of practice for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, but it shows up in so many ways. I'm sure for you too, right? Like comparing Mm -hmm. yourself to others on social media Mm -hmm. or just in life, uh, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, starting a small biz, it's like
0: imposter syndrome. (laughs) Yeah. For real. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's um, because it's so hard hard. being a solopreneur Mm -hmm. and trying to be behind the scenes and also in people's faces. And it's Mm -hmm. so much hard work and no one talks about it enough.
1: no. We're yeah. going to do an episode then <laughs>
0: anxiety I well, like, around I small ask, business, right? That's a good idea. Um, I didn't ask you this, but how about you? Like what, what are some of the ways that imposter syndrome still shows up in your day to day?
1: I mean, I feel like it definitely like, again, you know, when I instantly think of it, it's exactly like what I said. It's like, I limit myself to my work and my career. So mm. the way it shows up and you know, what's really frustrating is I'm a good coach. I'm good. Like I can listen to people. Like I can hear like their roadblocks that they might not necessarily hear. You know, I can ask really good questions that, that allow people to figure out for themselves. Right. Like coaching. You don't tell people what to do. Um, and I'm a good kids yoga teacher. Like I rock that stuff too. So there's no imposter syndrome there. I've been you know, I've put in like my, over my 10,000 hours in both of these. Um, but it shows up in the small business thing. I have no idea what I'm doing at (laughs) all. And I keep seeking all these other, like experts to help me in figuring Mm. it out. Um, but I, I think just like everything else, it's about, it's about time and it's about patience and it's about knowing that in some ways, none of us know what we're doing. So like, yeah, I don't have to post on Instagram, you know, three posts a day, you know, like I don't have to do that. That works for some, it doesn't mean it works for all. Um, but yeah, it really just shows up in like my work life, you know, mm-hmm. but in, in the starting of the small and the growing of the small business.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I totally feel like, I mean, and just for everyone listening, Abby's a great coach. <laughs> <laughs> she really is. Like, I, I mean, and again, like you said it about yourself, so I'm obviously not blowing smoke. Like it, <laughs> I know, I mean, you mentored me and you're an amazing, amazing mentor. And if you didn't say the part about like, I ask good questions to get people to figure it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. I was going to attest to that <laughs> because it was as if like you were mentored me, but I was asking myself all the reframes because yeah. you were, you didn't allow me to sort of like take the back seat in the process. No, I'm not going to tell y'all what to do, you know, right. Like <laughs> and that's such an important part of what you do. And I, I think everyone should go call Abby to become their mindset coach. I think what listening should do Thanks. because I, I just feel like everybody needs mentors too. like, and yeah. I, we're, we're both surrounded by lots of wonderful people that we know we can turn to for business advice or, yeah, um, or or that sort of outside reassurance and validation if we really need it. And there's nothing wrong with that too. Like, of course, we all want our communities to love and support us and to um, be proud of us and understand the things that we're trying to do in the world and and, and look out for us in that way. And there's something wrong with that. Yeah. So, um, but I feel you on the, on the small biz thing. That's, and, yeah. Uh, it's imposter. Who am yeah. I to do this? These are things that are difficult to um overcome. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that with a lot of work yeah. and self-reflection and active attention and practice that you can't start to slowly move towards a more um grounded place right. in who you are and be fully present with who you are as a yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. And ideally, you know, you
1: don't You don't have the imposter syndrome, but most of us have it at some point. And then it's just like, it's putting in the time because I feel like the more time we put into something, the more we feel like our authentic selves in it, you know, like at some point it's like, okay, I got this. I'm, you know,
0: I'm not an imposter. I know what I'm doing. Um, Yeah. Like when you were, when you were studying to know all those body parts Mm -hmm. and all those alignments and it's like, (laughs) well, I'm not going to feel like an imposter if I did the work. Right. Right. right um so good yeah all right so i have a win of the week
1: Woohoo! yeah so excited yeah. for this so um you know i didn't i mean i had a few there was a couple in the back back in my mind but when you were talking about um receiving gifts and receiving compliments uh, a story popped in my head so i'm going to share a story and that'll connect to the win of the week okay okay So I too can relate to having a hard time receiving compliments and receiving gifts and just receiving, right? Like when someone wants to give me a gift or someone gives me a compliment, I instantly want to repay them back with a gift or a compliment. (laughs) And, and so the story is, you know, I remember one time this, this girl who I knew was talking to me. And she was telling me how she and her father went to visit a friend in the hospital. It was like many, many years ago. She told me the story probably like five, six, seven years ago. And I don't know what he had, a broken leg. He had something, but you know, he literally like in bed, couldn't get out of bed and they went to go visit this friend and the you know, person came and brought lunch and he offered half his sandwich to this girl and the father And they like instantly were like, no, 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 you're in the hospital. You should eat it. You should eat it. And he said to them, you all are giving me the gift of your presence. You're coming to visit me. This is the only thing I can offer you and you're not taking it. And that actually makes me really uncomfortable. Right. Mm. And, and when she told me that story, it, it made me realize that when someone is giving me something the gift I can give back is, is total gratitude is accepting the gift and being grateful for it. And so <laughs> this leads me to, I got some really amazing packages this week. Surprise gifts. What? From my amazing co-host um, Who's that? just randomly showed up on my door. <laughs> um, I got this amazing, amazing mug, oh. which if you go to Instagram, y'all will see it. And then I got an amazing shirt, which hasn't been posted on Instagram yet. But it says, I love robes. And Woo-hoo! it was an utter surprise. And if you haven't figured it out, it's from Margot. And the, <laughs> the win of the week is one, uh, surprise gifts are always a win of the week. So right, always send surprise gifts to people because it made my week. Um, but, but in that, it was also the win was that when I opened these gifts, my instinct was to go buy Margot something or go, you know, do some huge thing or, you know, like I know she likes cookies. Try to get cookies delivered right away? Right. And instead I was like, no, I'm going to save her this and she's going to know I'm grateful, <laughs> but, but I don't need to reciprocate right away. I can be in this moment of feeling grateful and feeling appreciated and feeling surprised. And
0: yeah. Oh, well, I way. am glad you love the gifts. First of all, you have no idea how hard it how hard I tried to find a shirt that just said "I love robe," but that didn't <laughs> exist. So it was "I love robes." Unfortunately, you know they don't know that your robe is named robe. They and don't so know it. "I love robe" doesn't make sense, and so "I love robes" is going to have to be the shirt. But I, you look adorable in it, and I'm Thanks. glad you love it. I love, and it. I'm I'm glad that you brought. I love that story too. By the way, yeah. Um, I love talking about this stuff with you. Mm-hmm. I feel the same. Yes, and we hope that you warriors out there. Um, can take some time today, this week and reflect on the ways in which, um, imposter syndrome shows up or showed up in your life.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um, think on the ways that you might start to break down the walls of, of that way of thinking. Yeah. It might be tricky. It might feel sticky or triggering. Um, but that's the only way we're going to, uh, stop mistreating ourselves and, and having imposter syndrome can definitely feel like a little bit of the opposite of self-love. Yeah. Yep. So next podcast where it's just you and I, mm-hmm. we are going to be kicking off a brand new little segment mm-hmm. that will actually take place before win of the week. Yes. And it's going to be, um, some kind of a tool or practice to work on. Mm-hmm. Something that we find to be really supportive and uh, or is a go-to, and it'll most likely be related to whatever the topic is that we're discussing for that week. Uh, yeah. And sometimes it may just be something that we feel like will be um, timely or mm-hmm. an interesting one for you all to try on for size. And as everything we say and all of the things we share, they are ideas. Yeah, they are going to be potential things for you to um, give a try they're mm-hmm. not requirements. We're not like you should do this. So if it doesn't work, there's something wrong with you. No, the Never opposite. <laughs> Never. These are going to be practices that we really love that work and serve us in our anxiety. And, um, maybe you give them a shot. Yeah. 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 So that'll be a new segment that we're going to be kicking off next time. <laughs> We love you so much, Warriors. Thank you for journeying with us. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, we would love it if you jumped onto Apple Podcasts and smash that five star button. Smash it. Smash it and leave us um, a little something, leave us a review so we can find more Warriors around the world to join our community. Speaking of which, if you are interested in joining our IG fam, our Instagram community is amazing. It's at Anxiety Warriors Podcast. And if you're looking to reach out, ask us any questions, come up with topic ideas. uh, You can shoot us an email over at anxietywarriorspodcast at Mm gmail.com.
1: Yes. So thank you all so much for going on this journey with us. We are
0: very, very grateful you're here. Till next time.